right, I'm back, and hopefully that worked. Um, we had to have a private little conversation after Peter's denial there. Uh, okay, in the next section between verse 32 through 42, uh, we have the, um, all of the different players that come into Gethsemane. Uh, and Gethsemane, of course, is a park. A garden on the Mountain of Olives is just a place where people go to pray, where, where Christ went to pray. And uh, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus says to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed. The same thing, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I've heard people say that's how they go to sleep, is they pray until they doze off. And my first thought when I heard that was, if you were talking to me and you dozed off while you were talking to me, I would not feel that you were really engaged in the conversation. <laughs> if you were in a business meeting talking to the chairman of the board, and you dozed off while you were talking to the chairman of the board. I'm not sure how he'd look at that. I, you know, I, my, 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 my worldly human response to dozing off to talking to Jesus kind of makes the hair in my neck stand up a little bit. Somebody told me not, not too long. And, you know, I, yes, God is our father. And we should approach him like a, a worldly father. We, we, it's an intimate relationship. But he's also the creator of the universe. You know, it's like if your father is the president of the United States. You don't want to just talk to him like he's, like it's casual. I don't know. That may be my personal bias getting into all this, but... <coughs> So these, we have these disciples, and they followed Christ out on the hill, and they're praying, and they're falling asleep, and Christ is getting agitated because they're not on the job. He's obviously stressed. Because he knows what's coming up. They still don't know what's coming I read an interesting commentary today, uh, this week, on, on that when I was studying for this lesson, and I'm not sure I could put this into words. But there is an argument 
as to, and this has been argued for about a thousand years, uh, how you know, Christ had to give up his deity to become human. He's completely human, but he's also completely God. But God knows absolutely everything. And there are many instances where Christ doesn't know everything. Christ, as a human being, Jesus, as a human being, Jesus doesn't know what's going on in your head, I don't think. You know, uh, he, he kind of knows the end of the story, but he, he, he may not know the details in getting there. And, and, you know, how much, you know, he knew that this was God's will, that he was to be sacrificed. But then he prays, if this can pass from me. So, so what does that tell us about him? What, what does that tell us that he knows about himself? Does he understand that he's the, the, the lamb? He understands that he's the lamb. But he doesn't like the idea of being the lamb. He, he fears the pain, which I totally get. Uh, he was saying, I guess, is there any other way? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, he, he has some trepidation about this. And, and I think that's there. I don't know how, I don't know if that's translated perfectly, you know. But I think it's, it's, we see Christ's humanity here more than we see his godliness in, in, in Gethsemane because he's, he's, he knows this is it. He knows they're coming. And he's scared. You know, this is the big ball game. And he knows that he's, it's going to be rough. <laughs> Sure, and so, and, and they're falling asleep. So he's feeling a little betrayed because they're not as invested in this as he is, and and that's understandable, I think. Um, all right, is there anything else in that one? All right, so they're in Gethsemane, which is this little garden on the Mountain of Olives, and it is obviously Jesus' habit to pray after dinner, and all of the disciples know that, and so Judas has made this arrangement with the Sanhedrin, which are the temple leaders, to turn him over to their guards. These are Jewish guards, not Roman guards. They They are the Jewish temple guard. And they're going to arrest him for trial before Jews. And uh, he's, he's leading them out in, in the evening in the garden where there's not a, cr- not a crowd so that he doesn't have a riot when they arrest him. They want to arrest him privately. However, looking at the story, I don't know how private it ends up being, you know, because a lot of people show up for this. You know, it's not just three guys and some chains. It, it's, it's, it's a little more involved. So Jesus arrested, verse 41 through 51, no, 43 through 51. Huh, what about? 52, you're right, you're right. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the 12, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs. Crowd? Sent from the chief priest, the teachers of the law, and the elders, which are the Sanhedrin. 
Now, the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, uh, arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Jesus said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The man seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Oh, wait, that was Peter, as we learn in Luke, you know, as he retells this story. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts and you didn't arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. Notice he didn't heal the ear here in Mark's account. Then we have this strange segment in the last paragraph. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind, which is not included in the other three Gospels, which I think in and of itself is telling. Okay. There's a lot, basically, we're setting up all the players in this little drama here. So uh, we have a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests. All right, the chief priests are the Sanhedrin in the, the, the temple. They have under their control a temple guard. They are a little Jewish militia that work as security, basically, for the temple, okay? And they are not Romans. Uh, they are subject to the Romans. The Romans are the government, you know, and they are under their control. But it's like a little private security force that the temple maintains with the Roman uh, blessing. Now, Romans like to let their conquered peoples govern themselves as much as possible. That way, they don't have to bother with them. All the Romans want is their slice of the pie. They want money, you know, and if you can take care of your own self and pay them, they're happy, you know. Uh, it's an old gangster arrangement. Uh, so the temple has been using the Sanhedrin to enforce temple law among Jews only, and if the temple guard comes to your house, then you're in trouble, you know, because they, they, they carry civil authority from the temple if you're Jewish. So they are not just security guards. They are, think of them as city police and not federal police. You know, it's, it's, it's like that. So they show up in, with uh, swords and weapons or whatever, whatever the temple guard carries. Now, as the temple guard goes marching down the street toward the temple, wait, from the temple across the street? It's not very far. He's in Gethsemane. It's just, it's across the street in, in, in the Mount of Olives. So how far did they march? They, 100 yards, you know, 200 yards. So people knew that this was going to happen because people followed them. They come marching out of the temple, and it's like, oh, it's a show. Let's go see what's going on. And you follow. They're ambulance chasers, kind of, you know? And do they think, do they know what this is going to be? Maybe. Don't you think they were anticipating it? I knew something was going to happen, but I didn't know 
I think, I think everybody is waiting on something to happen because Christ is, has challenged the, 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 the Herodians when he uh, came into the city in the, in the, with the fanfare three days ago. Uh, he's thrown the, 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 the tax collectors out. I promise nobody is talking about anything but Jesus at home over the Christmas table, uh, you know, uh, uh, over the dinner table during Passover. You know, uh, th th this is important. You know, he, he's, he's, he's making a big splash here. And now the priests are making their move. Everybody's waiting on the priests to make their move. Sure, yeah, they don't want the crowds there. They're, the priests are trying to avoid the crowds. Well, the crowds know it's going to go down, and they want to be there when it goes down. Sure, sure. They're not dumb. So there's a, there's a group of people that see it coming. They were Christians, I think some of them, because they knew it was going to happen. And they see the guards. They weren't with Christ in the garden, but they see the, the guards marching and they know what's going down. They know where Christ is because it's his habit. And so they join in the crowd. So a crowd shows up. And I think that's important when we get to the last verse. Because it says, A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving the garment behind. And it's not in any of the others. Why would Mark stick that in there? Most scholars think this is Mark's... He didn't put any names of people in this because it wasn't the point. He's not trying to self-glorify. But this is Mark saying, I was there, I saw this. This is Mark, John Mark. He's the daughter. It's speculated that Mark, the uh, guy that wrote the gospel, is the son of, oh, who was it? One of the other followers. It wasn't the house of Lazarus. He, he was one of the other followers, but he was a kid. He may have even been present at the Last Supper. And, and been one of the people in the background, you know? So he has witnessed some of this. And the speculation is that it's late. Uh, he was in bed and he sees the guards moving. So he takes off quickly, which is why he wrapped up in a bed sheet. He did not dress. And he rushed down the street and following the guards to see what was going on because he knew this was it. This was the moment where they're gonna arrest Christ. And he's a believer, so he needs to see this. And in the scuffle, they, he tries to get away. Well, they, they rip the sheet off of him, and he's in, in his birthday suit and ran on home, which was rather embarrassing, I have to admit. Uh, you never heard of that before? Uh, it's not mentioned in any of the other Gospels because it's really not pertinent to the story, but it's Mark, in my opinion, and in my opinion is stolen from many other commentators. Uh, it, 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 it's Mark putting his statement of I was there on on the gospel because he's an eyewitness himself in this case and not reporting it third person. Does that make sense? Because everything that he's got is largely coming from Peter because he was Peter's disciple for years afterwards, you know, when he was actually writing the gospel. And we assume that he talked to the other apostles because Peter was hanging with the other apostles. And uh, he got all these firsthand accounts of what happened and that's where this book comes from. But in this case, Mark was there for that one, you know, which is kind of a pivotal point. So, 
Uh, we have the guards coming in with people following. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him and lead him away under guard. In Hebrew, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the words, there is a word for kiss, and this particular word for kiss is a friendly greeting between men. It's a Middle Eastern thing, and it's kind of like a mwah-mwah kind of thing that rich women do, and they don't actually touch you because you might mess up your makeup. Uh, men did not kiss on the lips. They would, uh, it, but, but they might kiss your cheek. And that's kind of like a Middle Eastern handshake. Does that make sense? It's not intimate. It's, it's friendliness, you know. And so when you approached a teacher, it was appropriate to kiss them on the cheek, uh, kind of like shaking hands when you come into the room. And uh, that was to show them honor as the teacher. Well, that's the word he used when he talks to the, the guards. He says, I'm going, to, the, the, I'm going to identify the teacher by kissing him on the cheek. But the second word in Hebrew, uh, going at once to Jesus, Judas uh, uh, said, Rabbi, and kissed him. That's a different word in Hebrew, and it denotes a passionate kiss. May have been a kiss on the lips. I don't know exactly what that means. I don't think it was sexual. But it was much more than a friendly handshake. He planted one. Now, what does that tell us? I think he was making sure that the guards understood what was going on. He overemphasized it. But also it denotes that it's, it's reverence on his part rather than just respect. It's kind of insidious. He's, he's be betraying him with a passionate kiss rather than a, a point with a finger that guy over there. You know, it's, it's kind of harsh. It makes it a little more... Empathic, that's the wrong word. You know, it's... it's yeah, yeah. So it, 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 the sellout is even that much more emotional and severe by, by the difference in the two words. Uh, the men seize Jesus and arrest him. Then one of those standing near draws his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. And we learn in Luke that this is not any of the assassins in the group. No, no, no. It's Peter. Mr. Peter, Mr. I will fight with you to the death. I will never betray you. <clears throat> you know what? Yes, Peter's the one who chopped the ear off. And in Luke, it says that Peter healed the guard and, and immediately. And so they put the guard's ear back on and reversed all of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. And he chastises Peter. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. So I've got that uh, in my movie at home. It, it, shows, it shows that right there where he, he puts his hand up to his ear like that. And uh, it shows that. Because that's in Luke. Yeah. Uh, it makes me wonder. We know that Judas and at least two or, the, two or three of the other apostles were all hoping that Christ was going to be this big revolutionary 
military leader that was going to overthrow the Romans and the rest of the world and establish the Jews as the reigning empire over all the world forever. And they wanted to be riding his coattails and become king of America, you know, when it all kind of came down to it. Uh, it makes me wonder if Peter didn't have that in the back of his head too, you know? Peter, Mr. Leader of all of the disciples, picks up a sword and whacks a guard in the middle of Gethsemane in front of Jesus? Is this, does, does this fit anything Christ has been teaching him over the last three years? It really doesn't. It's, you know, and, and I don't understand, or maybe he was just geared up over, I'm not going to betray you bit, you know, which we just got 30 minutes ago or, or several hours ago when they were in the temple. Uh, but it's Peter that jumps in there and tries to start the great, you know, this is the beginning of the revolution. I'll strike the first blow. And Christ says, no. And, and that's that. And Peter is put in his place again. Peter gets shamed a lot tonight. Yeah, yeah this is a rough night for Peter. No, it's, it's a, It'll give him something to preach about for years. If I was, <laughs> if I was going out, if I was a cop and going to arrest somebody, and somebody put a sword and cut, said, cut my ear off, and somebody put it back in, I'd be bowing out to the cop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think you'd take notice. I'd be a little slow to arrest him no, at that no, point. No, no, no. You know, he just he just put my ear back on. <laughs> they arrested him, though. I don't know. These, these were hard men, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's a point. Okay. Uh, am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus? No, he's not. it's not military. That you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Oh, he's talking to the, the the crowd. Every day I was with you teaching, you know, I've been I've been standing in front of you for the last four days teaching in the temple. You couldn't arrest me there? No, you're going to come find me in the dark. Uh, so he's shaming them. But then he says, but the scriptures have to be fulfilled. He knows it's going to happen because he knows scripture. Uh, and, then, and then a young man runs away naked. <laughs> Okay, can I, I can't do this. I got off. Um, how about I read the next segment and we will discuss it if we can. And if we don't get all the way through it, we'll finish this up next week. Uh, see, I turned the mic off and I started ranting and sucked up all our time. I'm sorry. Uh, they took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests, elders, and teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave his false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this man-made temple and in three days will build another not made by man. <clears throat> Yet even then, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming in the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Finally, he had what he wanted, so he's putting on a big drama. 
Why do you need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him and struck him with their fists and said, uh, Prophecy. And the guards took him and beat him. Prophecy? Okay. So, this gets really confusing when I tried to break all this down because the Gospels don't necessarily correlate. Uh, Mark is telling this one time before the Sanhedrin, but when we look at the others, there were kind of three trials. Uh, they first took him, and it isn't recorded here, they first took him in front of Annas, who was uh, the, the, the chief priest of the temple at the time. And it was in the middle of the night, and they brought him in, and they kind of had a illegal hearing in front of Annas, and it was kind of what we call in education the meeting before the meeting. So you're going to have that meeting with the difficult parent. So you have a meeting with all of the people except for the parent to make sure that we're all perfectly in line with what we're going to say. Yeah. And then we have the meeting with the parent and everything goes smoothly, you know, and he goes the way we want, you know. Well, that's kind of what this is. And so they're, they're kind of making sure that they have all of their ducks in a row so that they can proceed legally against Jesus with these little trumped-up charges and not have the Romans on their neck, you know, so. Right, yeah, you know, and so we have these witnesses, as I make my air quotes, yeah. So, so they have that meeting with Annas, and then in the morning they have, I think it's this meeting, and then they take him before Pilate, and then Pilate sends him back, and then they send him back to Pilate. So there's, there's two or three little hearings as they bounce the authority back and forth. So um, <clears throat> they take him into the courtyard, and Peter followed at a distance. Well, Christ did just shave him and say, you know, you have to put your sword down now. You know, so he's, he's either pouty or he's scared or I'd say both at this point. You know, I'm sure it's prominent. It's prominent in his head. It would be with me, I think. But he's holding back because he doesn't want to die. That's a kind of an understandable situation. These guys are scary. We don't know which way this is going. He's not resisting. It's not the revolution that he thought it was. Christ is being arrested and he's been about to be processed and people that are known for stoning people to death are, are taking him in to be stoned to death maybe, you know? And so he doesn't want to be the guy standing beside him because that could easily happen. So he's hanging back a bit. And he's hanging back with who? What, is, what, what does Mark say? Peter followed at his distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warned himself at the fire. Now, are these the guards that arrested Christ? Is this the guard of the temple? They haven't walked far. They're waiting outside the courtroom. He's not in the courtroom, but it's also all of the passersby, the people that followed them into the crowd, the, 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 the lookers-on. Now, they're not all necessarily Christians. They're watching the show. 
And some girl turns to him and says, hey, wait a minute, weren't, weren't you with him? I saw you with him. And he goes, no, no, no. We, we, this isn't in this verse, but it'll come to that. <coughs> but that's what he's doing. He, he, first of all, he pulls back. I mean, if he was up front and right behind Jesus as they go in, uh, this wouldn't be happening. You know, he denied him when he pulled back, I think. Oh, you're arrested. Well, I'm going to watch from a distance way over here where it's safe. Don't we do that? I know I do. Distance myself a little bit from things that I don't want to get too involved in. Uh, well, that in itself is a statement, you know. Lack of commitment on my part. Uh, okay, so the soul hand singer were looking for evidence against Jesus, so they put him to death, and they did not find any. Many testimonies, many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. The the temp, the, the 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 lawyers, the Pharisees, have not done their job very well. This is a rush job, and they grabbed several people. They said, "Okay, I need you to testify, and here's a coin. This is what I want you to say." This is what we're assuming happened. But they, they had 30 minutes to make this happen, you know, because here he is, he's been arrested. Oh, wait, we need somebody to testify. And so they said, I need you to say something bad about him. Well, the stories don't match. Or they're not condemning enough. And so the, the testimonies aren't working. They're doing a poor job of this trumped up thing. Even though they went by to Annas the night before, you know, just before to try to get their, their, their ducks in a row, it's still too rushed and they have not properly framed Jesus. Uh, then they stood up and gave his false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this man-made temple and in three days will build another not made by man. In the original quote, I'm not sure he said man-made. I, I don't know that this is even a correct quote. He was referring to his body. He wasn't referring to the temple in, in, in the square, and, and they're, they're misinterpreting what he said, even though he was speaking kind of symbolically. Um, and, and, and he's basically, and I think they understand that they're taking him out of context and, and misinterpreting what he said. Um, but he said something like that, and so it's hard to deny it if he said something like that. So, Here's a lesson in lying. If you want to really convince somebody that your lie is the truth, you start with the truth and then you twist it. Yes, there needs to be a kernel of truth, a string of truth through the middle of your big lie. And then it's much harder for others to disprove what you just said. Okay, say that again. <laughs> I said this is uh, kind of like a, you know when you tell a lie, you're trying to get somebody to agree with you. Sure. And you say this is what really happened, right? Uh huh. So you kind of so you can tell mom this is what really happened, mom. Okay. <laughs> so you spin it before you go to before right. mom. It's what they're trying to do. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, are you going to answer? Uh, Jesus then it doesn't answer it at all at first. And then when they ask him if he's a Christ, he says, I am. And if I can interpret what he said, he basically said, you think you're judging me now. I'm going to be judging you later. Yeah. 
that's, that's how I would interpret that into Texan English. You know, he doesn't really say, he says, yes, I am the son of God. I, I'm the son uh, of God. Uh, he is the blessed one. He is the son of man. He is the, project, the Messiah. He tells them straight up. He's not hiding it. Yes, that is who I am. And I'm going to be judging you later. That's what he said, which is a little scary, actually, looking back on it that this way. This kind of goes what Jesus gives here and go back to chapter 13, though. Yeah. He says, when you get arrested, don't speak, don't answer the question about the Holy Spirit. Give you an answer. Right. Well, I think that was the answer. Right. That's what sure. And he, there isn't any denial. Uh, I've heard people say, Christ never claimed to be the Messiah. Y yes, he did. Right here. It is. No question. And that was enough. And the priest tears his clothes and says, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. He says he's the Messiah. String him up. You know, that's, that's, but it's not like he was, it was wrong, you know. Uh, so, so he's calling this blasphemy. And, uh, and, and they're going to try to uh, bring charges against him. And so since it's blasphemy, <clears throat> the guards take him out and beat him. Now, didn't he just heal the ear of one of those guards? I'm wondering if that's the guy that's beating him. Uh, that, that dude must be really slow. That's what I'm thinking. You know, he's just not, he's just a real thug to beat up the guy that just healed your ear. You know, what, what mercy. And uh, that's where we're going to stop. I once again run out of time, and I still can't get through this chapter. We are going to finish chapter 14 and probably start chapter 15 next week, and we will begin on verse 66, where Peter has this little disowning breakdown, and then we'll uh, move on into the crucifixion. And the next chapter, 15, is pretty loaded too, actually. All right, and with that, I am signing off, and I've got 33 minutes in this list, so I hope you can do something with it.